Shut up and sit down. What do you know? What do you say? Welcome to the podcast, guys. This is the Quiet Part Loud, episode 17. I'm your host, Daryl. Good to be here. It is Thursday, and we are coming to you, as always, from sunshiny London, England. Just kidding. It's gray, cloudy, and cold as shit outside, but at least the snow's gone, and we are feeling like we're one step closer to spring and actually getting some decent weather back on the island. Um, Thanks for tuning in, guys. Great to have you, as always. Um, I see you guys out there. I'm checking the stats on SoundCloud. We will be bringing you iTunes, um, TuneIn, and the other distribution points uh, soon. But there's there's so much content. There's so much stuff to talk about. There's so much stuff to get through. And... uh, yeah, we're just keeping the shows rolling. So thanks for you guys out there that have been listening on SoundCloud. Um, we've launched Twitter now and updated uh, the account there with all of the episodes that we've done so far. So go check that out at Quiet Part Loud on Twitter. Um, also our Facebook page. We've got a few of you guys out there following us on that, which is great. Again, another link to uh, to the podcast episodes. It's Quiet Part Loud on Facebook as well, guys. So go check that out. Give us a follow. Um, and you're always going to get updated on episodes we're coming out with. Uh, you know, things we've got in mind, things we want to do. And obviously, that'll be the point of uh, the point of interest when we start bringing guests on, uh, which is becoming more and more of a consideration uh, as these episode numbers grow and we get more comfortable with doing what we do. Today, I wanted to focus on something that has uh, sparked my interest again. Oh, it's always an interest of mine, but you know, as these current affairs and, and current events just kind of, you know, whirlwind around and, and kind of drag our attention from here to there with these quick news cycles, oftentimes key issues can be put to the side. And today I want to address one that is it's always been a big interest of mine and even more so now that, you know, I have this forum that I can distribute ideas and, and concerns and just advocate for things I want to advocate for whilst remaining as unbiased as possible. Of course, there are going to be topics that, you know, I fall on definitively one side or another. And today's episode is 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 on a on a topic that I fall on a particular side of and I want to throw my hat into the ring of debate and conversation around this subject because I think we're long overdue in getting some real substantial action taken towards it that represents sensible thinking around a subject that has been demonized for far far too long and if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, let me elaborate a little bit. I'm talking about the legalization of cannabis, specifically in the UK. And I know on the show I cover politics that are often dominated by the US, sport that is often dominated by the US, um, and skim over some of the UK politics 
but today I want to focus specifically on the UK aspect of cannabis legalization. Because for me, as a cannabis user myself, this really comes down to a freedom of freedom of choice. Uh, it's a it's more of a it's a it's a freedom of choice issue for me because I don't think that any government should be able to tell you that you can or cannot do something, especially when there's evidence that contradicts all of the reasons for why it's classified in a certain way. Now, today will probably be a mixture of stats and facts and some personal conjecture and opinion in there as well. Because I'm a cannabis user, like I just said, and I've enjoyed it for 15 years. You know, and throughout that period of usage, there have been cycles, obviously, that I've gone through uh, in my life, economically, socially, uh, you know, whether it's got to do with where I'm living, my relationship status, my financial status, you know, my job situation, whatever it may be. All of these factors contribute to how cannabis has been perceived in my life throughout that journey. But in the current state of affairs, you know, I'm a married homeowner with a stable job and many different interests, many different outlets, uh, this being one of them. But when it comes down to cannabis use, we have this classification in, in the UK that seems that, it, that regulates it as a substance with no medical use, which to me is just absurd. And it's absurd for a number of reasons, not least of which is the actual evidence. And the medical use is what's reignited my interest to talk about this subject because recently in the UK there was a there was a little boy called Alfie and he suffers from a very very rare condition. I think you know, a few thousand people are afflicted with, with the same disease as Alfie. Um, but effectively, Alfie suffers from a significant, significant amount of seizures um, to the point where, you know, he's constantly hospitalized and put on various different steroids and medications that are prescribed by the doctors. Nothing's worked. And... There's some numbers out there, and I don't have the article in front of me, so I'll probably butcher them, but Alfie was having hundreds of seizures in like a three-month period, and some numbers that I saw yesterday were over the period of a year, he could experience 3,000 seizures, which is just horrendous. I believe he's six. I believe Alfie's six. And I mean, just think about that for a second. If you've ever witnessed somebody having a seizure. Now, the doctors have tried various prescription medications, various steroids, as I said, and nothing has worked. So his parents were looking for different alternatives and ended up going to Amsterdam uh, to experiment with uh, medicinal cannabis. For all, for all intents and purposes, 
the seizures reduced by something like 99% or 96, uh, 98%. And I think there was a 24-day period while they were out there where he didn't have any seizures at all. Now you're talking the difference between going almost a month without one from having them every day. Now, that's one case, right? But it is the case that's ignited the interest in, in this discussion with uh, cannabis legalization again. And I just think that for him not to be able to seek this kind of support, this kind of treatment in his own country is actually criminal. And criminal on the part of the government for not allowing it. Now, I've seen something on the news and I don't know where it stands, so I want to update this if I get it wrong. But apparently he was... Um, he was given permission to use it in the UK for like a month or something like that. Um, and then and then what? I don't know. Uh, so I'll have to do a little bit more looking into Alfie's particular situation. But not to diminish that one singular case because that one singular case is is tremendously important, right? Because it's the care of our young it's the care of our children. It's the care of our of our babies, right? But it doesn't just stop there and end with them because there's many people out there that are afflicted by any number of diseases that have found, that have sought and found help through the use of cannabis and consuming it in a variety of different ways, topically, ingesting it, smoking it, you know, whatever it may be, uh, you know, being able to, you know, mix it into your food, whether it's to rub it on joints, whether it's to take it via a mint or a candy, uh, like a sweet, or if, you know, if you like to smoke it, then you like to smoke it. However, it may be, there are innumerable cases out there now where cannabis has helped when nothing else has. And it's time to start talking about this in a really, really serious manner and open up the debate that says the reclassification of marijuana and of cannabis in the UK that took place in 2008, I believe it was, or 2009, where, so just to give a bit of historical context, it was declassified from a schedule, uh, I want to get this right, um, it was declassified from B to C, which makes it um, considered less harmful. But then it was reclassified from a C to a B in 2009, I believe it was, like I said, um, against the advice of the commission that was looking into this. And it was reclassified back to a B, which means uh, no medical use, you know, criminalization of it. Uh, you know, during the classification of it being a B, that means uh, no arrests. You know, you're not you're not becoming a criminal based on you know possession of weed um, or getting caught smoking it or whatever it may be. Funnily enough, during that period the usage of it actually recorded went down. And then when it was reclassified back to uh, a B, uh, more harmful, 
cannabis use went up. A legitimate, like making something legitimate doesn't, causing something to be available by legal means is not a correlation to an increased usage of it. And there's a real misconception there by a lot of folks that say, oh, well, if you just, you know, if you just make it legal, you're going to have people smoking it here, there, and everywhere. And that's absolutely not the case, right? Because what you're doing is you're taking the stigma away from it. It's the temptation of illegality that, you know, spurs on, you know, this danger culture about it. When actually there's nothing dangerous about cannabis. Nothing dangerous about cannabis. So what I want is a sensible conversation around the reclassification of this substance and a healthy debate on moving that classification forward to legalization. And there's going to be steps along the process like you can see in America, but to have people in prison because of weed possession is archaic and ludicrous. Not only is it archaic archaic and ludicrous, it's really, really expensive, right? So one of the things that I want to talk about is the economics around the legalization of weed and the costs associated with trying to prevent it versus what that would look like to the economy should we actually legalize it and tax it? So again, there's going to be stages, right? So where we are right now is a harmful drug, no medical use. You can be you can be um, you can be arrested and prosecuted for uh, possession. Although you're unlikely to do so, because I think most of the uh, authorities out there understand that it's actually not worth the paperwork because the average fine I think in the UK uh, for distribution of, of weed or possession of weed I got to check the report that I've got open um, is like 85 pounds and the total I, I, we're going off of I think 2015 stats here but the uh, the total the total takings in terms of fines levied against cannabis was 981,000 pounds so not even a million quid. But in the process of not making a million quid, making that 981,000 pounds, you've levied a whole bunch of problems against a whole bunch of people that were doing nothing other than carrying or smoking a bit of weed. Because if you have a drug conviction on your record, it completely fucks your life up. Right? For the most simple, and I put infraction in quotations here, for the slightest infraction, you make it more difficult in some, in some cases, damn near impossible for people to get jobs, substantial jobs, and meaningful work, long-term work off of nonsense. The actual plus negative to the economy based on the fines levied against those, um, charged or fined with distribution or possession of marijuana, adding in 
right? So, so we've got that 981,000 pounds that we've made from fines and everything like that. <clears throat> but then take into account that it costs 45,000 pounds a year for each prisoner locked up in this country. Then take into account the cost of manpower, man hours and labor that it costs to go after these people, process, um, write the reports on these people, spend time in court uh, giving depositions about these cases. You're not, you're not talking good economics here because it costs you a shit ton of manpower, resources, and everything else to continue going after these people who consume cannabis. And the actual money that you're receiving off the fines that you're levying against them. So you're, you're making under a million, doll, uh, a million pounds a year. But it's going to cost you that to lock them up to do the paperwork around prosecuting them and locking them up. But then you're actually taking potential revenue out of the economy because the people that you are levying these penalties against can't actually get meaningful work. So they're going to be, you know, on the lower end of the spectrum or they're going to be unemployed. So therefore they're going to be taking, uh, a, 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 like a, they're going to become part of the welfare state, right? They're going to get uh, job assistance allowance and, and, and all of these different payments that are effectively putting more burden on, you know, folks like myself and everybody else that's just trying to go out there and make a living and, and, and live their life. So it's cost negative. That doesn't even take into account what happens when we intelligently look at this product as a commodity, as a service, as a medicine. Because if you take into account the illicit and again, we're putting this in illicit only because we're so archaic with our laws around this. If you take into account how much the drug trade is worth, and we're just talking about weed here, you're talking about $6 billion a year that people are spending on it right now. And it's probably higher because, like I said, those stats are from 2015. But it's on, I think the average is uh, 5.9. It's a street value of, of 5.9 billion pounds per year. Because the estimate is there's between 1.7 and 3.6 million active cannabis users in the UK. So depending on their rate of usage, that's going to give you an estimated market value of anywhere between... 2.9 and 8.6 billion pounds a year. Best estimates on the average are about 2.7 million active users consuming about a thousand metric tons of weed a year. And that gives you an average street estimated street value of about 5.9 billion pounds a year. Okay. So, Let's just talk about, let's just talk about tax and how we could potentially make money off of this, okay? So I'm going off of a, a study that was done 
It was commissioned by the group uh, Clear. You can find them on Twitter at Clear UK. You can also get a membership for Clear um, on their website, and there are varying staggered memberships, but everything goes to support you know, the research of studies like I'm getting my facts from now, um, also the kind of PR and marketing around the efforts and the case for legalizing cannabis and marijuana usage uh, in the UK. Um, but this was a commission done by the Independent Drug Monitoring Unit. Um, and it was actually done, my apologies, it was actually done in 2011. Okay, so just think about that. We're in 2018. And the numbers I'm giving you are from a commission are from a report commissioned in 2011. So their recommendation or their suggestions on this uh, report were that you could basically uh, levy a tax. Um, you could levy a tax on the cannabis market and VAT on the cannabis market. Um, so just off of just off of taxing people to grow it for personal use and getting like a license to grow it and produce it, which I'm all for, by the way. Giving the estimates, you're looking at an average revenue stream per annum of 6.4 billion pounds a year. And you've got to, I'm going to put this report up on my Twitter um, and on the Facebook page so that everybody can can link to it and, and have a read of it themselves. Because even though it's seven years old and another one probably needs to be done uh, to update these figures, the numbers are staggering. Okay, and this isn't just about a cash grab, but if you want to talk to politicians and you want to make a case to politicians, the only, they don't care, let's be honest, they don't care about the health benefits that are slamming them right in the eyes, you know, and are, are, and are abundantly clear. I mean, you can just do a YouTube search and you can see the effects in real time, basically. Um, so the only way you're going to really make any head, headway with politicians is to talk money. You have to talk value. You have to talk cost savings. You have to talk revenue generation, right? Because the government's a business. They're running a business. They're not doing it very well. So let's try to help them out. Here's a revenue stream of six and a half billion pounds a year whilst saving in certain areas, right? So like, for instance, the criminal justice system where I'm talking about not having to spend money to prosecute them, not having to spend money to house them, not having money um, to go through all of those legalities. This report estimates that in 2011, the average cost saving to the criminal justice system would fall by around 510 million pounds. It's actually 512 million pounds. There would be additional costs added into that, right, to the criminal justice system or to compliancy or collections or whatever it may be. They're estimating it would be an average of around 215 million pounds. So you'd be saving 512 million 
and you'd have to spend 214. So you're still at a cost saving of 300 million pounds, right? So this, because I'm not gonna go through the whole report, you, I'll link to it and you guys can have a look for yourself, but it's, it's just, you know, it's just black and white evidence that we're way behind the times. But effectively, the overall net benefit to the taxpayer of a taxed and regulated cannabis market could range between 3.4 billion to 9.5 billion per annum with the best estimate of 6.7 billion per year at recent market levels. Again, in 2011, this was recorded. And I'm just gonna quote it again because it's worth doing it. It is a report called Taxing the UK Cannabis Market commissioned by CLEAR, and it was done by the Independent Drug Monitoring Unit, August 26, 2011, and I'm gonna to link to it. So, you're talking about a country that's leaving the EU and trying to develop a single market. Now, you're also talking about the country that is the biggest exporter of medical cannabis to the world. They just, um, they just surpassed Canada in net volume distributed and exported to international markets. So let's talk revenue, okay? So we've got we've got a what is that? If we're if we're talking, you know, a net profit of what did I say 6.9? Sorry, I'm just going to go back to it again. I, I just want to get these numbers for you guys. So if we're talking about a net benefit of 6.7 billion per year into the UK. That's just by taxing people who want to use it in the UK. We're not even talking about what they're already making from the exportation of this to other countries, which they're doing in mass volumes. And if I can pull it up real quick, I'll give you the numbers on that too, because they're staggering. So for the government to say, we're gonna hold this classification of marijuana at uh, classification um, B, harmful, no medical use, but for them to turn around and be the biggest exporter of it, I mean, can you get any bigger of a contradiction? Going back to Alfie, his parents have to go to a European country to get relief for their for their kid. And obviously Amsterdam has their own market for it. So I'm not necessarily saying that the exportation of UK weed ended up in Amsterdam and actually ended up helping Alfie, who couldn't actually bring that weed back to the UK and use it legally here. Do you see the cycle of bullshit and contradiction and confusion and nonsensical behavior that is currently going on with this issue? What makes it even more absurd is that the law in the UK states that if you acquire a medical license to consume cannabis in Europe as a European citizen, right, or as a citizen of a European country that is not the UK, you can bring that cannabis into the UK and you're allowed to consume it here. However, if you're a UK citizen that acquires somehow a license in a European country to consume cannabis, you cannot bring that cannabis back to the UK and consume it here 
legally. You can be prosecuted for that. Then, again, going to the fact that the UK is the world's largest exporter of medical cannabis. They're restricting their own population from having the same benefits and the same allowances that they are granting to other countries' citizens. So can you tell me what the word hypocrisy means, please? And I'll just wait. Yeah, so what have we covered? Because we're only 28 minutes in. We've covered the fact that we can make a ton of cash if we just stop being puritanical, narrow-minded, feeble thinkers, right? We also know from the stats, and you can look at the report that Portugal have on uh, their decriminalization of drugs. I mean, they did everything. I'm just talking about cannabis, but if we want to go into the wider debate, we can have a wider debate about that. However, I'm specifically focused on cannabis because I think it is the most um, beneficial, again, quotes, narcotic that you can consume and has the least amount of uh, negatives to it, we're talking about cannabis. But the cannabis use in Portugal since decriminalization has gone down. The amount of uh, arrests and criminal convictions for people in possession of cannabis has gone down. The amount of, and again, we're going into other drugs, but the amount of overdoses, the amount of like everything down across the board. So Causation and correlation, it's not the same, right? So making something legal does not mean everybody's going to start doing it. If they made heroin legal tomorrow, are you likely to go and stick a needle in your arm by lunchtime? Or is your Friday night out with your folks uh, or your people, you know, you're going out for a drink with your mates, heroin's legal all of a sudden. Are you guys banging shots? Are you banging, you know, hot balls now? Like, it doesn't work that way. But tell people you can't have something. They're going to do it all day long. So we're sitting in this really archaic place where The government that we have and the policymakers and the lawmakers in place right now are not willing to recognize very, very simple truths. One, there's a ton of money to be made, which we need based on the current government's decisions to, you know, leave the EU, which we can't get right. So if you're going to reduce us to a single, you know, take us out of this market and make us truly an island that has to renegotiate trade deals and different tariffs and, you know, and secure backup relationships. Wouldn't you think that something that you are the world leader in, you would also want to start making that revenue from the citizens in your own country as well? I mean, it seems, it seems so obvious to me 
I almost feel foolish having to have this conversation. So, we know it's got medical benefits. We know it's a huge revenue production or revenue generating machine, which the government's already making money off of. We know that there's really no health uh, negatives for consumption of marijuana. Overdosing on marijuana is pretty much impossible. Okay, you would have to consume a f- you would have to consume an elephant-sized load of weed to have any problems. Right now, I'm not saying that across the board everybody's going to react the same to it because they certainly don't. You know, the way it affects me and the way it affects, you know, other people, completely different, completely different. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. But for some of us, it is. And the fact that we're having to still do this illicitly and secretly is nonsense. When there's little kids out there that are suffering, the government has a duty of care to its citizens. And this would be a massive check because it's one of the things I'm looking at on every single party's manifesto. And if you're not on the right side of this conversation, I don't care what your other policies are, to be honest with you. Because this is a major one for me. Because I think it lifts up everybody. I think it provides a a greater a greater level of care for any number of ailments, whether it be Parkinson's, whether it be, you know, people suffering from epileptic seizures and Things like that, whether it's, you know, the alleviation of uh, of different symptoms caused by cancer, um, you know, glaucoma or people who have, you know, anxiety issues or sleeping issues or are, I don't know, run down from the day to day life and they just want to relax or the, the, whole, the whole spectrum, guys, the whole spectrum. This should be a individual choice that the government stays out of. Now, if they want to legislate, commoditize, and profit off of this, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you know the type of new businesses that are going to open up off the back of this? If you were to say tomorrow, right, we're declassifying weed, marijuana and I would say any politicians that happen to listen to this you need to go and check out that report that I'll that I'll link to in my bio um, or or on Twitter and I'm gonna tag all of the relevant government departments for this as well so th- there's no excuse for not checking it but I would say that report is a really good place to start so We turn around 
and we de decriminalize this and make it legal for medical usage. Let's start there. We'll get to the recreational part. I mean, if it was me and I'm a policymaker, it just it's just legal. It's legal. We open up a whole retail market for this. Whole retail, horticultural retail, um, you know, where you can consume it, where you can buy it, social clubs around it, different things like that. There's a whole culture to be embraced here. So the numbers that I gave earlier, you know, the 6.7 billion, that's just tax. That's just tax and purchase. We're not talking about the other arms that sprout and the other flowers that can bloom off the back of this. So I think it's time to really think about it and start opening up the debate that says, ultimately, we have to come to our senses. Look at Oregon in the States. 200 million year one tax revenue generated from the legalization of recreational marijuana in one state alone. It's insane, guys. It's insane that we even have to have this conversation. But the UK has this historical, sort of puritanical, really conservative viewpoint on things. And it's narrow-minded. It's, it's people talking who don't know what they're talking about. It's as simple as that. Because anybody that I get to know, whenever I kind of broach the subject of smoking weed or consuming weed or whatever it may be or, you know, just weed in general, people are oftentimes surprised that I'm a cannabis smoker or, you know, I like to eat edibles or, you know, whatever. Don't try to pigeonhole the pot smoker. We're not Slater, what is that his name? Slater from Days and Confused. The person that smokes weed in 2018 is not encompassed by a hey, amen type of demeanor. That's not who we are. We're everybody. And I think it's time for people to become a little bit more vocal about this, right? Like, yes, it's your preference and you want to do it in the privacy of your own home and, and everything like that. But the current laws are fucking people's lives up and it's time to stop doing that. Because you don't have any more case. You don't have any more reasons for levying this type of classification on this substance. You just don't. Like the whole, it can cause schizophrenia. Excuse me? 
what controlled studies have been done as to the correlation of cannabis use and development of schizophrenia? Because my simple question would be, how many of those people that you found out smoked weed that have developed schizophrenia or have schizophrenia had it before they had their first joint? Like we have to ask some questions here in rebuttal to whatever the government throws at us for the reasons for keeping the status the way it is. Calling cannabis harmful is a, it's a, it's a dead point. It's a dead point. Are there healthier ways of consuming it than others? For sure. I'm not going to debate that. I'm not going to debate the fact that if you put smoke into your lungs, that's a good thing. Holy, because it's not right. Smoke in your lungs is not, is not a good thing inherently, but the, the vapor caused and the smoke caused from THC and from the shit, say, that you get out of an exhaust fume walking down any high road in this city or from smoking cigarette, there's no comparison whatsoever on the chemical makeup of those two substances or those, those three substances that I just mentioned. Yet we walk around the streets all day long sucking car fumes in. Or, you know, we're, we're a smoker. Or we're around smokers. Or the various factories and the various construction projects that are happening at any one time. Blowing up cement dust and whatever it may be. Or just take the general state of the air in a city like London. I don't want to hear that smoking a joint is, is cause for this kind of a classification because that's a mute, that's a dead point, it's a dead point. You can't come at me with that. So what I wanna hear, what I wanna hear from anybody that enters into this debate on the other side of the fence is what's the problem? What do you think is going to happen if the government turned around tomorrow and said, you know what? We like that report. We think the framework set out in that report is pretty solid. The taxation seems about right. The, you know, the, the parameters around you know, distribution, licenses, compliancy, prosecution, all of that. We like that. We're going to use that as a framework to get started. What happens then? What do you think? And I'm talking to people on the other side of this debate, the people that are against legalizing cannabis. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think that you're going to have a community full of zombies walking around? Or a bunch of people that, you know, don't want to do anything and just want to sit around and eat Cheetos and watch movies all day and just be like, <laughs> you know, like the typical kind of stoner image that people get and people have portrayed about those that smoke weed. I'm just curious. I'm really curious to what the government and what other people on the other side of the conversation think is going to happen if we say, 
you know what guys do what you fucking want if you want to smoke some weed you want to eat some brownie go ahead do you just be responsible when you do it right because i'm not even going to get into the death rate and the expense on the uh, national health service for people who have all kinds of complications due to alcohol abuse. You know, from domestic violence to uh, cirrhosis. You know? Yet there's a society and a culture built on it. And we're cool with that because it's part of the culture, right? Well, cannabis use might be a subculture, but it's definitely a part of the culture. And you can't snuff out parts of the culture. Just because you think... I, I, don't, I don't know what they think. Because you can't use... There's no economic benefit. You can't use... It's uh, harmful to people's health. You just can't. This is a win-win. This starts thousands of new jobs. Creates billions in new revenue. Saves millions in current expenditure throughout the criminal justice system. Alleviates the job that police and other law enforcement have to spend their time on when they could be doing much more significant work, which I'm sure would make their uh, job morale and quality of their, you know, of their working life a lot better. So I don't know what the, I don't know what, but I really want to hear it because it's really important. I really want to hear what the other side has to say. Because we haven't even talked about hemp and making hemp, you know, a massive, massive piece of our production and a massive piece of, you know, what could be potentially, you know, exported and things like that. If you guys want to see a really cool video, go to YouTube and search um, Henry Ford uh, hemp bumper. It's hilarious. Basically, it's like a black and white video of Henry Ford, and he's 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 got this car with a bumper. Uh, he's got a car bumper, and he's fucking hitting it with a sledgehammer, and it's made of hemp, and it doesn't budge. Hemp is such a valuable product with so many different uses. You know, we all want to talk about you know environmental health and you know, sustainability and things like that. Stop cutting down trees. Yeah, stop cutting down trees. Start growing hemp. It grows faster. It's more hardy. It's reusable. Can be used for food. Can be used for fuel. Can be used for textiles. I mean, I don't know what we're waiting for here. But from the... from. Whatever angle I come at this from, whether it's like, whether it's please stay out of my fucking business and let me do what I want to do because I'm not harming anybody 
and the chances of me getting harmed buying this stuff on the street versus going to a normal dispensary or being able to grow it myself stay out of my business and let me do what I feel like doing. There's that perspective, but then there's also the very, you know, humanistic kind of what, you know, people are actually suffering out there that can be helped by this. And then the capitalist side of me comes in and says, hey, idiots. There's billions to be made off of this. So why don't you start going out and asking your voters what they think about this? Because if I look at some of the reports that I've been looking at, the stats are something like 50% of people surveyed are in favor of bringing the classification down again to, uh, to level, uh, level C where people don't get prosecuted for possession anymore. 50% of the population there or thereabouts is in favor of that. And 15% are undecided. So 35% of the population of this country are against it. And I can take a wild stab in the dark what that demographic looks like, but I'm not gonna alienate anybody and I'm not gonna point any fingers. The only fingers I'm going to point are at the legislators and the lawmakers in this country who need to step into 2018, understand that your arguments are based off of absolutely zero research, absolutely zero evidence, and absolutely zero true understanding about what this plant is. How this plant has been consumed since the beginning of time how non-harmful it is and how many benefits there are to it. So what I want to do is I want to put this episode out and we've by in with no way shape or form finished the discussion on this at all. Apologies for that bling bling. I just hit my phone and uh Siri was going to start. Um, this is not this is not the end of this conversation, and this conversation will certainly not be a one-off. What I want to do is I want to give a little bit of um, a little bit of a shout out to a couple of people that have uh, that have come to the forefront on this conversation, and people that I've kind of taken notice of in the last little while. Um, one is uh, one is Peter Reynolds. Peter Reynolds is a writer, he's a communications advisor, um, and he's the president of CLEAR, uh, which is the cannabis law reform um, organization that commissioned the report that I was getting some of those statistics from earlier. Um, you can follow Peter on Twitter at Tweeter Reynolds, Twitter like I'm a tweeter and my last name's Reynolds. That's uh, Peter Reynolds' account. There's also a gentleman called Crispin Blunt, who is an MP for Rygate, who has come out in support of uh, not only Alfie's cause, but the 
reclassification of cannabis. And I would, I would encourage anybody that is interested in this conversation to follow uh, Clear UK, which is the cannabis law reform account on Twitter, and that's at Clear UK. Um, they're the UK lobby group for cannabis law reform. And again, like I said, they commissioned that uh, report that I was getting some of those stats from. And again, we could, you know, we could use an update on that. But what I want to do is I want to really encourage uh, the UK House of Commons, the UK Parliament, obviously the Prime Minister, the Home Office specifically who handled drug policy, um, and, and the Cabinet Office, as well as the Department for... Um, culture, media, and sport, uh, digital culture, media, and sport, because you're a big part of this as well. And I know that you could do a lot to help spread a, spread a good word on this, but I know you need the backing of, you know, all those other things that I just mentioned, but big shout out to Peter Reynolds, big shout out to Crispin Blunt, um, and a big shout out to, uh, Clear UK, who, uh, who I just signed up a membership with uh, a couple of days ago. But we need the national news media to get behind this and to really start shouting about this. This can't be a flash in the pan conversation. We need the we need the population to come out. We need the population to talk to their, you know, their local representatives, their um, their MPs. We need to get them out there talking to their MPs. And if you're on the side of, you know, that 50% population that is for the reclassification to uh, Schedule C, you need to get out and tell people about it. Cannabis is not a taboo subject anymore. I'm sorry, but it's not. I have numerous conversations in my office about this. Cannabis is not a taboo subject anymore. So to think that we can't talk about this or that we shouldn't talk about this is, is ludicrous to me. And I want to start that debate. The other thing I'll say is that if we are successful down this road, one of the things that the government needs to take into consideration is the potential of monopolies jumping up on this and we can get into that in future conversations and things like that but there are a couple of cbd products that are um that are being produced in this country by a by pharmaceutical company called gw pharmaceuticals i believe it is um we just want to be very careful that we don't allow monopolies when this happens because in my opinion the inevitability of this is already foreseen we're just moving past this. And I think we're just, we're kind of waiting for everybody to catch up because for people like myself, for people like Peter Reynolds, I'm sure who I've not spoken to in person, but I am hoping to extend an invitation uh, to the podcast for, um, you know, this is not, when, when all of this becomes legal, people like me are going to be like, of course it is. What took so fucking long? Because we know what the rest of these people are waiting and hopefully willing to find out. 
It's going to have to be medical first. I get that. I get that. So let's do that. And let's do that with haste. Because for people like Alfie, not to have this as an option that's ready to go is disgusting. And anybody that's anybody that put up any sort of struggle, and I don't know who those people are yet. Um, I'm still I'm still digging into this. They're gonna be addressed directly about their viewpoints, and I'm gonna want to debate their viewpoints versus the viewpoints I hold on this subject, because. It's kind of like the gun debate in America, right? It's like, we have to say, you can no longer say, you have not been able to say for some time that there isn't a gun problem in America. Anybody that says that there isn't a gun problem in America is not willing to have a sensible debate with you. And my perspective and my opinion on this subject is that anybody that just disregards cannabis usage as a stoner's uh fanciful way of, you know, escaping reality and that weed is for lazy, non-ambitious or makes people lazy and non-ambitious. That's not, that's, it's just not a credible point anymore. It never has been. It's just been something that's been stigmatized as, but let's have a debate about it, guys. Let's let's open up the discussion about it. Let's have it on proper forums. LBC Radio, this should be a debate. You guys have a massive audience. This should be a debate you have. And if you've had it already, apologies, I didn't hear it. Time to do it again. Whoever wants to be elected in the next election needs to take this on needs to come to their senses and understand that we are archaic with our laws in this country about cannabis. And it's time to step into the now where a huge portion of this population already resides and join us. There's only good things when you allow people to make their own decisions and stop making things unnecessarily illegal based on archaic viewpoints that you're just unwilling to let go of. There are people to be helped. There are lives to be improved. There is money to be made. And the downside that you think would be there as a result is a figment of your imagination. I hope that we've at least started this conversation now with a little bit of steam. Um, I'm gonna go smoke a joint. I'm just kidding, I'm working. Um, this is my lunch hour. But I hope we've, <clears throat> I hope we can have this conversation and I hope we can come to our senses about why our current position is the wrong one. I just want us all to be rational about this and 
look at what happens when we're not afraid to admit we were wrong and give something a try. I think we'll all be pleasantly surprised and it's well overdue. So let me hear your opinions, guys. <laughs> Hit me up on Twitter, um, Quiet Part Loud. Uh, hit me up on Facebook under the same name. Uh, get this episode from either of those places this afternoon and also on SoundCloud. Um, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear from you guys on the no side of this debate. And the question of that debate and the topic of that debate would be should cannabis be made legal for medical and recreational use throughout the UK? So for those of you that, if we had a vote on that, for those of you that fall on the no side, I'm really, really interested in hearing from you guys and what your thoughts are. Um, and, if, and of course, you know, you guys that are, on the same side of this debate, always love that support as well. And we want to hear from you because we want to know that we are not, we're not a small number. We are not an insignificant portion of the population that hold the viewpoint that we are way too old school and way too conservative and way too Puritan in our, th Puritanical, I should say, in our thinking about how we look at, um, cannabis and marijuana and its usages and its current status. So we've done an hour, guys. I don't want to waffle. Like I said, I don't want this to be the only podcast that we do on this subject, but I'm going to be keeping a closer eye on it. I'm going to tag all of the government Twitter accounts that uh, I want to put this across to. Um, and let's see what comes out of it. And I'll update you guys as there's any feedback or any commentary on it. And we'll, we'll discuss that as well. And um, yeah, let's leave it there for now. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope I didn't ramble too much. I hope you found some of the information useful. And I didn't go too much into the personal stuff on this episode. And we'll get to that. Uh, later uh, or in another show I should say um, but yeah I hope you guys found the show useful and uh, and we'll be back soon um, not sure when we'll do another show but it'll be within the week I'm sure uh, and we'll catch up on everything else that's been going on but I wanted to take some time out to discuss this topic and give my viewpoint and my perspective on things um, so yeah I hope you guys found it useful uh, we'll leave it there this has been The Quiet Part Loud. I'm your host, Daryl. And uh, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a share. Um, engage with us, guys. We're out there and uh, we're listening and we want to we chat. So, uh, so get in touch, especially on this subject. It's important. Until next time, guys. Take care. All the best. <laughs>